Yes, you bet. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you folks this morning. As Paul said, my name is Dan Taranchuk, and I am Ukrainian, okay? Uh, my grandparents on both my mom and dad's sides both came from the Ukraine. Um, my mother is still alive. She's turning 96 here. And uh, when I tried to talk to her about uh, the history, her memory is fading. Let's just say that. It's fading pretty great. But a number of years ago, uh, before my dad passed away, my dad was a pastor. I grew up, uh, as I told Paul, I grew up in the Baptist and in the Evangelical Free Church. And that's my uh, background. And uh, one day, my mom and dad, uh, I am Canadian by birth. I tell people I was born in Saskatchewan or Saskatchewan, as we call it, up there, which is right above uh, Mo uh, Montana. And uh, my dad passed away, uh, I think, 18 years ago. And uh, But before he did, they came down, they lived right across, we could almost see their place up in White Rock, and uh, he came down and shared the heritage. My heritage is is like uh, Stephen said, I am a Heinz 57 because uh, I would be regarded as a Jewish, Austrian, Ukrainian, Canadian, and American, okay? So I've got it all covered, and uh, my grandpa on my Mom's side, he stowed away on a freighter uh, about 1914, 1915, at the very beginning of the Bolshevik Revolution. And uh, I knew Grandpa Polterak quite well. My Grandpa Taranchuk, I did not know that well. Uh, he came sometime right around World War One, and so I've I've got uh, I pray much for the salvation of Ukraine. There are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of Christians in the Ukraine. My mom and dad would, after the breakup of the Soviet Union in 1991, they would almost fly over there every year. And the first thing that they would say to my mom and dad was how they loved listening to them speak Ukrainian. Because Russia... Uh, basically prostituted the Ukrainian language. And my mom and dad spoke pure Ukrainian. And they would just say, we just want to hear you speak the unadulterated Ukrainian. And so my older brother and sister learned Ukrainian as first language. And after the first day of school, they came back and said to my mom and dad, nobody speaks Ukrainian. They only speak English. So after that, my mom and dad cut out the Ukrainian and taught us English. And so I often asked, Dan, how much Ukrainian do, I, do you know? And I say, Prussia daitamini botobolia. And they go, what does that mean? And I said, that means please pass the potatoes. <laughs> and that's just about the extent of my Ukrainian, you know. But thank the Lord, I knew how to ask for the potatoes. Well, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 22, one of the most fascinating 
stories, I think, in all scripture because it is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. So let's just open with a word of prayer and we'll get right into the word. Thank you, Lord, for these few moments that we can be together here freely in a country that we can still freely sing, worship you, and look into your words. So, Lord, just open my eyes, open these dear folks of yours' eyes to what you would have us learn from this passage of Scripture this morning. In thy name, amen. So, in Genesis chapter 22, it says, Now it came to pass after these things, that God tested Abraham. Wow. Do you want to be tested of the Lord? It's a tough, tough question. But it says, after these things, well, we have to go back and say, well, what things did God test Abraham? we got to go back, actually, to chapter 12. Because at chapter 12, the Lord says, Abraham, and he says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Abraham, at this time, is 75 years old. Anybody here at age 75 want to move to a totally foreign land? I'll tell you what, that would be a very, very tough call right at the beginning, wouldn't it? And so Abraham doesn't say, no way, I'm not doing it. No, because the Lord says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. So Abraham departed, it says, as the Lord had spoke to him. And Lot, that's his nephew, went with him. And so the Lord tests Abraham for approximately 57 years. Anybody feel like they've been tested of the Lord for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years? And that's exactly what's happening here to our friend Abraham. And the Lord tests him on different, many different occasions in that 57 years. And we could go through them all and I would be here for an hour just telling you about the testing of the Lord. But the Lord says, Abraham, Verse 2, he says, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Is that crazy or not? Is that just total craziness? You know, if you aren't a Christian and somebody is sharing 
the Lord with you. And somebody picks up the Bible and they would read this. They would say, what? A human sacrifice? Now I know you guys are crazy. That is so absurd. Totally absurd. The year is 1953, May 29th, and I'll do my best to imitate the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, and a crackly voice comes over the BBC, and a gentleman says, today, May 29, 1953, a man has climbed higher than any man in human history, and no man will ever climb higher. He is referring to Sir Edmund Hillary. Sir Edmund Hillary has just climbed Mount Everest, the year. 1953, but I think Abraham is going to climb a higher one. Oh, not in, not in actual height, but spiritually and physically, because Abraham is now approximately 127 years old. He's not a young man. I can't remember how old Sir Edmund Hillary was. I believe he was in his mid to late 20s. And Sir Edmund Hillary is going to take five years to train to climb Mount Everest. And on that day, Sir Edmund Hillary plants the British flag, the Union Jack is flying over the entire world. But yet, I say, Abraham is going to have a much, much tougher climb. And so we see the Lord says, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, but you say, hey, wait a minute. Abraham, you have two sons. But do you realize that Ishmael, his first son, was a work of the flesh? And the Lord never, ever, ever, ever recognizes the work of the flesh, does he? He says, no. And how do you think Abraham felt? Ishmael is approximately 13 years old when Isaac is born. So they're, they're, they're close, they're actually closer to 14 years apart. And do you think Abraham loved his son, Ishmael? I do. I think he loved him deeply. I don't have no sons. Lord blessed me with daughters. I got four daughters. But I got grandsons. And boy, do I love my grandsons. 
I am spoiled. I am spoiled. I got 14 grandkids, actually. And the Lord worked it out seven and seven. I got seven grandsons and seven granddaughters. And do I feel maybe just a little bit close to my grandson? Although yesterday, last night, I was in Safeway grabbing something, and all of a sudden I looked down, and here's one of my little granddaughters. I didn't even see her in the store. She came up and grabbed my leg. It was pretty awesome. But my grandsons, there's something special. Not having a, having a son, but I have four son-in-laws, and I know I've seen this. I've observed this. You never get between a dad and his son. There's that special bond there. They, they are so close. They are so tight, usually. Maybe not for a few years after they get out of high school, or maybe even they're married for a few years, but afterwards, there's this tight bond. And I believe Abraham loved Ishmael, because actually, we have to go back again to I think it's chapter 18 here. No, it's chapter 16. Where this is a, a part of scripture that always is like it's it's interesting because this is the one time when men you're not supposed to obey your wives. Okay? Because in chapter 16, here the work of the flesh takes place because Sarai says to her husband, Abraham, come on, we're getting old. I'm 76, you're 86, and we have no kids. And so Sarai says, why don't you take my maidservant, Hagar, and why don't you Go off to the bedroom with her, and let's have a son that way. And Abraham listened to his wife, because he didn't trust the Lord, did he? And so Hagar conceives and has Ishmael, and right away, a conflict arises between Sarai and Hagar. And so, here, the Lord actually tells Abraham, you have to send Hagar and Ishmael away. And do you think that broke Abraham's heart? This is his seed. I think Abraham really loved Ishmael. But here, in chapter 22, the Lord says, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, to the land of Moriah and offer there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. If the Lord told us to do something like that, what would our response be? Let me think about this one for a while, Lord. Let's have a committee. Let's have a committee and let's vote on this. Is this 
a good deal or not. Because, see, you've got to remember that the Lord had promised Abraham that through his seed, the entire world would be blessed. And so you're now asking me to offer up the seed that is going to bless and inhabit the entire world? It made no sense. But you know what's amazing, Abraham? It says in verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. He got up early. I think I would say, hey, I'm going to turn off the alarm clock. Let's sleep in. Maybe we'll do it this afternoon. Let's procrastinate a little bit. But Abraham rose early, four, five, six o'clock in the morning, I would presume, if they had an alarm clock then. And he takes his donkey, and he takes two servants, two young men with him, and Isaac, his son. And it says he split the wood, so Abraham is still able to do that for the burnt offering. And he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So now we have four people on a journey. You go, why did he take two servants? Well, as we find out, it's by the witness of two that you see God's word shown. And it says, on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. So can you imagine for three days, I don't know how many miles, uh, I never did any research into that to find out how many miles it was. But let's say they walked four miles, five miles a day. So they walked 15 miles. And that entire time, Abraham is thinking, my son is dead. He's thinking, how can this be, Lord? How can this be that after all these years and now, you ever had a situation where you had to think about something for a day or two days or three days or a week? Something that was coming up. And all you could think about was this one thing. You know, let's, let's uh, for a quick second, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, which is regarded as the chapter, the faith chapter. You know, and the first thing we see to understand Abraham's faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, it gives a description of what faith is. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How could Abraham, he was for three days not going to see the evidence of the Lord's salvation? 
And later on in chapter 11, I think it, let's see here, it's verse, verse 17. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Does that remind you of somebody else who also offered up his only begotten son on a three-day journey? Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Was this a foreshadowing? I think it was. This foreshadows another father who gave his son and raised him up from the dead. I think many, a lot of scholars believe Abraham was all but prophesying what was going to happen 2,000 years later when Jesus Christ is offered up for our sins. And so, Abraham, after three days, he lifts his eyes up and he saw the place afar off. And verse 5, it says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here, with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. One of the great, uh, the more I've studied, the great misconception is the age of Isaac. Back in Sunday school, we had those papers that we colored to show him that he was eight, nine, ten years old. The one uh, man who I, I listen to a lot, Chuck Smith, he has Isaac between the age of 20 to 27. Uh, two other scholars have him as the age of 33. You can't imagine a young lad being 6, 8, 10 years old carrying maybe... Less, well, it would be less than a quarter of a cord of wood for three days. You ever been with a son out in the woods or someplace, and they got a backpack, they carry it for about 10, 15 minutes, and then it's like, Dad, <laughs> here it is. You got to carry it with you. And so I believe that Isaac is a young man. The word lad in the Hebrew actually is translated as one who is not yet married. There's different uh, thoughts in that regard. And, of course, we know that Isaac isn't married. So, anyways, here, he's been carrying the wood. And it says, so Abraham took the wood. Actually, I jumped ahead of myself here. 
And Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and then we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac's back. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together, But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father. And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Isaac is starting to realize, Hey, there's something else going on here. Dad, what is going on? And Abraham says, my son, God will provide, and if you have in your Bible the word for, cross it out. The translation should strictly be, God will provide himself, the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. I often wonder, and I always like to wonder, what was Isaac, how much more conversation did they have for three days? Was there banter back and forth? You know, father-son talk that we don't have recorded here. But what is recorded is that Isaac says, Dad, Where's the lamb? And it says, they came to the place which God had told them, which is Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah isn't actually a mountain. It's actually a ridge. And if you would go today to Israel, Mount Moriah is actually on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And many believe that Mount Moriah is actually known as Golgotha. It's only a couple hundred feet, two, three hundred feet high. I've never been to Israel, but everyone that's been there has told me that. It's just that this was such a long climb for Abraham. And so it says in verse 9, they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order, and he bound his son and laid him on the altar. You know what's amazing is that Isaac, If Isaac is 25, if he's 30 years old, he could have said, hey, Dad, now I see the picture. Hang on. You're 127 years old. I think you've gone a little senile. I'm not going to let you bind me, put me on that altar. 
But somehow Isaac, the Lord's revealed to Isaac, and he has become totally submitted to the Father. Isn't that what Jesus said as he's carrying the cross? And he says to his Father, Lord, if there is any way that this cup can pass, can it happen? And the Father says, no, son, this is the way it's got to be. Kind of amazing we're going to share communion. And, but Isaac, he bows down to his father. And I often wondered, it says, and Abraham bound Isaac. So he's tied up and he's on this. Did Abraham say, son, close your eyes? Or look away? Because it says then, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. Boy, that's the last image I would want a son to see. The father slain the son. And it says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Probably the two sweetest words Abraham has heard in the last three days. Nothing better than hearing the Lord yelling down at you. And Abraham says, here I am. I'm certain it was a little bit more gusto than that. It was like, here I am, Lord. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad, or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. I'm wondering at this time, did Abraham go back to thinking about Ishmael? Or has he totally forgot about You talk about a test. I don't think I, I would want to go through that test. But then the Lord had been preparing Abraham for 57 years. Nothing but pure obedience. And it says, then Abraham lifted his eyes. So I, when it said that, I thought, well, I wonder if I, Abraham's eyes were closed also where his eyes closed also, because all of a sudden it says he looked up and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. What a miracle. What an incredible miracle. And so Abraham, he went and he grabs the ram and and what it doesn't say is he probably kills the ram and then he quickly buy, cuts the ropes of Isaac. I'm reading into this. 
This is the Daniel D version. And he probably embraces Isaac, and Isaac sees the ram, and they have some moments of tears and joys together. And they offer up the ram as a burnt offering. And Abraham calls the name of this place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. Isn't that what we all always need? Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. When you're walking in obedience to the Lord, and we all have these little Ishmaels running around our lives. I've got little Ishmaels running around our lives. But when you let the Lord provide, he becomes our Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord calls to Abraham a second time. So this is a second time there out of heaven. And he says, by myself I, was, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son. There again, the Lord is reaffirming that Isaac is his only son. There again, the Lord does not recognize the works of the flesh. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. Boy, what a great blessing that is, isn't it? Unbelievable. I will bless you and multiply you and your descendants. When we get to heaven, we'll be able to go see Abraham and say, hey, I'm one of your descendants. There's a few years for you to see, but that's me. And, it, and he says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. 57 years of trials, tribulations, challenges. And this is the outcome. In your seed, all the nations shall be blessed. And so Abraham returned to his young man, and they arose and went to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. You know what's interesting there? It doesn't say that Isaac returned with him. You think Isaac says, once they got down the mountain, Dad? That was kind of scary. I ain't going back with you. I'm going this way. I don't think so. 
I think the two witnesses saw Abraham and Isaac come down. And what's interesting, because the Holy Spirit has left out Isaac in here, and we, now we do not see anything of Isaac until chapter 24, when Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, goes to get him a bride. And that's the next time we see Isaac. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Lord, may we hear your voice. May we obey it, even though it is sometimes so difficult, so hard. But you will always see us through because you love us so much that you sent your only son to die for our sins. So we are 